welcome to the very, not very first, this is not the very first, what is my brain doing tonight? Welcome to the third episode of Girls Do Film. Today we're going to take a break from the introductions, we're going to take a break from the real world talk, and we're going to break down the Fear Street trilogy. Um, so fashion your seatbelt, which is going to be a bumpy ride, but also if you have not watched the Fear Street trilogy movies, I highly, highly recommend you do. I'm going to try my best not to spoil anything. Not that there's anything to really spoil, I guess, but um, I don't want to like accidentally say something and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I haven't watched the movies yet. So please, please, please watch the movies either before or maybe even after this because maybe I sparked like that interest for you if you haven't seen it and you weren't planning on watching it. But um, please, I will try not to spoil it, but please, please, please watch it. It's really, really interesting and I'll get more into the movies, but it's a really, really decent, well-structured trilogy, so go watch it. Um, enough of the pre-whatever that was, the warnings and pre-introductions and all that stuff. <laughs> We're going to start by talking about my history with R.L. Stein. This man, his mind is incredible. Stephen King has nothing on R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein... Goosebumps books, the Goosebumps series, Fear Street books, and the Fear Street trilogy all came from the same mind of this man, and it is amazing. Um, while Stephen King's movies are good, some of them are really slow and really not 100% interesting, um, Arl Stein loves to give you the fantasy, mind-bending type horror, which I love. And if you know me, you know that I'm a big, big spooky October Halloween horror fan. Um, fall time is my favorite season. Pumpkin spice is my favorite spice, you know? Like, I am 100% fall. I'm 100% slasher, killer, horror type gal. I love them. If I was planning to make movies full-time, that's the direction and that's the genre that I would go to 100% because I know what scares me, I know what spooks me, and I'm very hard to spook. And all the horror movies that have been out recently have not been my cup of tea. None of them have been scary. None of them had made me jump. Like, they all pretty much suck. Um, so I can't name one that I've enjoyed, except for the Fear Shoot trilogy um, and Spiral. I loved Spiral, but other than that... There's not that many that I'm just like, oh, this movie was so great. So, um, back to R.L. Stein a bit. So, yes, I'm a stan of this man. Um, I've read every Goosebumps book. I've watched every episode of the Goosebumps show that they used to have. Um, my favorite episode of that specific series was the board game one. There was something about that one that always spooked me out no matter how many times I watched it. And I'm pretty sure they still have it on VCH, like, in my basement. But hands down, the best episode, hands down, the first time I ever fell in love with horror movies. Well, this is a t that was a TV show, but the first time I was ever like... I think I'm this spooky gal. <laughs> um, so I was super excited when Netflix announced that Fear Street was getting its own movie or movie set. Um, you know, there's not a lot of books like Fear Street and there's not a lot of movies like Fear Street. Um, 
actually can't name one that it was similar to and I'm not 100% sure that they're based on the books. They might be loosely based so like some things are similar to the books and some things aren't. I haven't picked up a Fear Street book since I was like 15 so I'm not brushed up on my novel Fear Street knowledge but movie wise we can talk about that of course. With that being said, we're going to break down each movie, so all three of them, and then talk about the trilogy as a whole. So we're going to start off with 1994. This is the first of the three, and to me it was, in fact, the best of the three. Um, we were introduced to so many characters, there were so many people to latch onto, the storyline was really, really solid. Um, there were some holes in some places that lost me a bit, but like considering the fact that it was a horror movie and there's like killers chasing them, it was it was a pretty decent storyline. Um, was it predictable? I would say not. There were some parts like the ending. Obviously the ending was setting up for the next two because it really does solidify the third movie as well. Um, but the characters were really good in this one, the killings were really good in this one, the gory slasher aspect of it was great to me. Um, I just wish that there was more of that throughout the entire trilogy, but of course we'll talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, I thought the actors were amazing. There were a lot of, like, no name, and I say that with air quotes, actors and actresses, like people we've never seen before. Um, and like people we were never introduced to before and I thought this was a very good introduction to their acting careers. Um, I just love seeing people blossom in horror movies. Um, and there wasn't any of that like cliche that I really liked. I love cliches sometimes, but like in horror movies sometimes they get old. Like there was no final girl, there was no like the black people always get killed first type thing in this film. Um, it was nothing like that. It was literally just something fresh and new and something that I was just like hooked onto the very first second. Um, I mean, at times it was confusing because like, you know, sometimes writers will foreshadow things that don't get paid off or that they will write a storyline expecting the audience to already know about that relationship or that person. And sometimes that can get lost on people. It kind of got lost on me, especially between the two main characters. I should have remembered names, but the blonde girl and then the curly-haired girl. Yeah, their relationship was kind of like, sure, I understand it, but like, give me some more of like their backstory, like what happened between them. There's a lot of talk about that throughout the um, first movie, but we really don't get to see it you know it's kind of like I hate that I hate when writers do that like they expect you to just like fill it in yourself and that's one thing I'm not a fan of and I'm not a fan of it mainly because like their job is to create this world to create believable characters believable relationships that audiences will believe and like don't leave it up to the audience to create this relationship for you you know um so that's what the first movie kind of felt like for me. It was just like I had to create this relationship between these two people. Um, I had to kind of just like leave it up to the imagination. 
which is fine. Being imaginative is like the best thing for an audience, but like if you're going to set up this like relationship and just set up this story, give us the basics, give us a backstory, give us something that we can like latch onto, you know? And also like, especially in like these teen slasher type movies, where are the parents, okay? We are literally only introduced to one parent and that is the parent of... Okay, I'm looking this up because... um. I just, I just don't want to do it like this. Okay, so we only see Samantha's mom because she disapproves of her relationship with Dina. And of course, you could be like, oh, well, the sheriff is also an adult. In age, yes, this man is a grown adult. But like, the way he acts, the way he is with these supposedly high school, junior high kids, I would not classify him as an adult in the film, especially because of the part he plays in it, you know? So we're only introducing Samantha's mom, and that is it. And I just want to know where their parents are and why their parents aren't you know, they're protecting their children or, like, they're parenting their kids. Like, Dina's brother is literally talking to strangers on the internet. So it's like, bro, come parent your child so I don't have to parent your child for you. Um, but yeah, overall, 1994 was by far the best of the three um, Fear Street movies. Um, 1978, however, I was not a huge fan of. Like, I love campy, gory horror films, but, like, this lacked in so many areas. And it was also the backstory for, um, what killer was it? What killer was it? Um... Let me look this up. 1978. Okay, well, I don't ever think that we were introduced. Like, I don't think we were given his name. But it's the dude with the bat. No, the dude with the axe, okay? Um, I don't think we were given his name. Let's see. We love Googling things in the middle of a podcast episode, but... Um, he's literally just called the Axe Man Killer. Which is not fun, but um, him, he, part two is literally all about him. It's his backstory, and we go through how he was possessed, why he was possessed, and who he killed, and all that good stuff. But also, 1978 was kind of like the semi-beginning of the curse, not like the exact beginning but like almost the beginning like that's when we were first introduced to the camp the heart of the curse 
the wall like all of that stuff you know like the wall with the names written on it but mainly for me it focused too much on the axe killer because there was like six seven killers going after them in the first movie which i loved by the way the more the merrier um but this one literally only had him and it was just all about him you know um the other ones didn't get a backstory we got told a story of, about Ruby um but and we've seen a little bit of that I guess we've seen a little clip of everybody's like break moment but like his story we got from beginning to end and who he was as a person before he started killing people all that stuff so um yeah the second movie focused on him too much for me um and it was just like running around a camp running around from this axe guy there was no place for them to go like it was good right it was an okay film but it wasn't like mind-blowing I had an, a vision in my mind for part two that I thought that they were gonna go they did not go that way um not saying that they should have went the way that I envisioned but I'm just saying that the way that they wrote it the way that it was done was not good enough for me at least like did it flow with the first one sure it was someone telling a story um about the axe killer you know so to Dina and her brother so maybe it flowed well but like the ass like I just didn't get it honestly like you honestly could have gave me 1994 and, and 1666 and said that was part one and two and I would have believed you like 1978 was such like a filler it was too much of nothing for me um so that one was not my favorite um so that one came in last place in rating so my rating goes 1994 19 1994 1666 and 1978 and I'll tell you why I liked 1666 better because it wasn't great you know I'm not one for time-pieced movies um like this one was based in 1666 for quite some time but then it also switched back to 1994 and I think that's what like got me really into this specific one and rated it higher than 1978 because it tied 1666 to 1994 and wrapped up the movie so nicely put a little bow on it and gave us a teaser for a continuation if wanted or if needed so um 1966 was slightly slow in places like I said it's a period piece so you gotta you kind of gotta get used to like their mannerisms and like their talk their slang their movements so it's like a lot of things to like get used to and things to consider but like I said the way that it ended in 1966 and then completely wrapped up 1994 like it was a distinct continuation of 1994 the way 1994 end that's ended well I guess not 1994 it it ended that way in 19 
78. But the way that it just like picked up from the 78 ending. Yeah, so you could have gave me the last half of 1978, then 1666, and we could have called it good. Um, there was not much to 19... Oh my gosh, there's so many numbers. There's not much to 1666 that was like, wow, ooh, ah. Like I said, it's a period piece for like the majority of the film. So um, you kind of got used... Like, you kind of got to, like, play by ear with that one. But, um, it was better than 1978, but not as good as 1994. So, honestly, you could have just gave me 1994 and I would have been happy. <laughs> um, but if I had to pick, like, a sequel, it would be 1666. So, there we go. That's my breakdown on all of the movies. I broke down 1994 more and better than the other two because I honestly liked that one better and I was more invested in that one than I was the other ones, to be honest. But the other ones are great to watch as well. Like, I'm not going to say, don't watch the other two. Like, seriously, watch them in order and be the judge for yourself you know like I'm one person I have my own opinions I'm very picky when it comes to movies and horror and all that stuff so I'm a very picky movie watcher I'm a very picky filmmaker and I'm just one person my opinion is not the bible you don't have to follow it um so now we're gonna talk about Fear Street coming we're going to talk about, oh my gosh, words and numbers today are not my thing. But we're going to talk about um, Fear Street becoming the Marvel Universe of Horror because the creator of Fear Street said that she wants Fear Street to become the Marvel of Horror. Um, should it be? I would say yes, but here is how and why I would say Yes. I would say yes only and only if they followed the books and made the books into either a movie or a series. Like, take one book and that's a movie. Take another book and that's a movie. Instead of, like, combining these creatures and characters that, one, we may have never seen before, two, that we're not really introduced to well enough, and three, that, like don't mesh together like I don't want to see the same seven killers that apparently cannot be killed killing people like I want to see something new and fresh every single time that I see a Fear Street movie I don't want to see the same actors I don't want to see the same killers like this three-part movie that's as far as I want to get with these people you know like I don't want to see Dina I don't want to see Samantha I want to see brand new casting, brand new killers, a brand new set of stories. So if they were going to do another movie or another three movies, so another trilogy, sure, go ahead, but pick a different story, pick different characters, pick different storylines, and follow that for three movies. And then if you come back with another three movies, do the same thing. Like, I'm not a Marvel fan. I probably have never physically sat down and watched a Marvel movie front and back um besides Black Panther and besides Avengers maybe 
well, I watched Avengers with the Black Panther in it, but other than Black Panther, I'm not a huge Marvel fan. Never seen Captain America, never seen Captain Marvel, never seen um, Hulk. Well, I guess I, never seen Iron Man, you know, like, don't like the new Spider-Man. So it's just like, I'm not a huge Marvel fan. And I, I'm with a lot of people who are like Marvel fan. Marvel movies are getting old and annoying. So like, if Fear Street's going to become like Marvel, we got to make it so it's not old and annoying. Like, be fresh, be new, um, bring something new to the table each and every time, and it, it should be fine, you know? Um, but if you're going to follow along the storyline of Dina and Sam, keep it to yourself, man. Like, I've watched them for three movies, three different decades. Well, I guess they weren't really in 1978, except for the beginning and the end. But we were still with them. They were still there in the beginning. They were still there in the end. We followed them for three different stories, three different decades. And at this point, I'm sick of them. I really don't care what happens to them. You can kill them. You can throw them in a river. Like, that's that's the end for them. Um, so if they want to continue Fear Street, they need to bring new people, new killers, new stories. Literally, there's so many Fear Street RL sign books. Pick one. Choose that one. Write a script. Make it a movie. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to literally capture that book into a script, you know? 80 pages, 100 pages. It doesn't have to be a two-hour movie in order for it to count as a Fear Street movie, you know? Um, but it did set it up for more movies. At the end of 1960, at the end of 1666, somebody stole Sarah Fierce's book, which means that someone else is going to start practicing this weird voodoo magic and, um, it's all going to start again. But like I said, if it's going to start again, please different killers. Like, I know the killers in the first three movies were summoned um, or, was, well, was chosen by Sarah to be killers. So I'm assuming whoever stole the book is going to choose new people to summon to kill. So I'm hoping that that is the case and I'm hoping that they do indeed do that. Um, but if they're planning to bring back Dina, if they're planning to bring back Sam, I don't think it should, um, continue unless, unless they want to give us backstories of the killers that involves them, you know, like, I don't want to see them unless it's a, a backstory, you know, it's, it's very confusing to talk about because there's so many, like, ideas that I have for the Fear Street trilogy and the Fear Street uh, cinematic universe that just like talking about it on a podcast is not going to do it justice. Um, so that brings me to my next point, the focus of the film. For me, did it lack focus? I would say in some places, yes. In 1978, yeah, the focus was not there for me. I'm not 100% sure why we needed that, but apparently we needed it. Um, the other two, I felt the focus was fine. Um, I felt that I knew what was happening. I knew what was 
about to happen. So the focus was definitely there in the first and last movie, but the second one definitely lacked. Um, but, you know, that can always be fixed by creating something to focus on in the next films, you know? Um, so that brings me to my next point. Did I like the books or the movies better? At this point, with the three movies that I was given, the three movies that I've seen, and the millions of books that I've read of R.L. Stein, I would say the books are 100% better, um, but that doesn't mean that the films suck. You know, like literally on Letterboxd, 1994 is my top movie. Like, I really, really did enjoy that movie, you know? It was surprisingly really well done and really captured my attention really well. Um, but because there were so many killers and there was not, like, I hardly, I hardly had the time to figure out who was who and what killers did what and why they were killing, you know? So for me, the books were better in the sense that they had a better storyline and they had a better focus and that they were more geared towards like horror and killer and all that stuff like mysteries fantasy horror it it was just it was just it was just really good the books are great I love them now my expectations for the continuation is that they literally choose a book any book whatever fear street book they want and they pick that book they open it they read it they enjoy it and they make that exact movie you know like um it's not that hard I honestly just don't get why people don't when they adapt films it's like the easiest thing to do you read the book you turn the action in the books to present tense action so instead of like Sarah sat down at her desk or if it's in like third person so it's like I sat down on my desk and I pulled out my journal I wrote down my thoughts and then my phone rang I picked up the phone and it was Jackson it was Jason whoever and the text read you know and then it goes like that so instead of that you go Sarah sat down at her desk. She pulled. She pulled. She pulls out a journal. She writes in it. Her phone beeps. It's Jason. Text reads. Like, it's not that hard, you know? I could do it in my sleep, probably. So I really, really hope that that's what they do. They pick a book, throw a dart at one, open it up, and literally adapt that into a movie instead of doing what they did. I'm not saying that they did anything wrong, but it was just like give me real R.L. Stein or give me death. Um, which brings me to the conclusion of this podcast. Um, my last point is what I hope for future R.L. Stein projects. And he doesn't have much um, under his belt for books um, that are not children books. Um, he has, like, Superstitious, what came out in 1995, which is an adult novel type. Um, he has Red Rain, which is a grown-up book. Um, 
and it's supposed to be Goosebumps for adults, which I'm probably gonna get and read. Um, so yeah, he has a few adult books that could possibly become movies or series or anything like that, which I would love to either be a part of, to create myself, or to watch as an audience member, you know? Um, R.L. Stein is a very, very special soul, and he's not one that should be messed with. He's not one that should be altered in the sense of horror and spooky and his work. Like, his work is so good. So good. 10 out of 10 recommend if you have not read a single R.L. Stein book. Read Fear Street, read Goosebumps, read his adult novels, just like enjoy the man's writing it's magical it's lyrical and it is fantastic i promise you so thank you so much for tuning in today this is a little bit of a longer episode um i just really wanted to crack open my love for Earl stein and talk about fear street um be sure to subscribe if you're listening to this lovely podcast on Apple Podcasts and be sure to follow if you're listening on Spotify. If you're listening on Anchor FM, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, I think you thumbs it up. I don't know. I have not listened to any episodes on... I, I don't listen to podcasts on Anchor. I usually use Spotify, so I don't know if you're listening on Anchor what you can do. But be sure to support. Follow on Instagram at Girls Do Film. And I will see you guys in a couple of weeks with another new episode. Thanks so much for listening.